0: Welcome to the Eternia Review. I'm Ben. And I'm Truman. We're going through the episodes of He-Man to dive deep into the mysteries of Eternia. This week we have the Time Corridor. Which is a mystery
1: all to itself. This episode is incomprehensible.
0: (laughs) I thought it was sublime and just how nonsensical it was. Do you have any opening thoughts? I was so excited time shenanigans and how would he-man do time shenanigans it was not time shenanigans it was but it wasn't like time shenanigans
1: i was interested to know how he-man would handle the different time travel paradox kind of problems and they handle it by just being
0: absurd and nonsensical with the plot and there is no ramifications of time travel no none So we open
1: in space, which seems like a pretty common theme for the last few episodes. We pan eventually over to Snake Mountain. Lightning is lighting up the sky. Skeletor is sitting in Snake Mountain pretty pensively, while Triclops and some new blue lizard person watch.
0: What do you think the lizard person's name is? I looked it up. I want to go with Scales. That's a good guess. It is not Scales. It is Fangman. Sure. That's who he is. He's Fangman. And he never shows up again after this episode. Oh, really? And I will tell you why at a later time. Hopefully I remember.
1: A red portal opens and a mysterious voice intones, I have it, Skeletor. Yeah,
0: who the hell is that guy? Just a voice and just like a lunchbox like yeets through the portal.
1: Yeah, floats over to Skeletor. It opens and reveals the Wheel of Infinity. That voice is never credited in the he and the masters of the universe wiki it mentions that it is dark spy
0: in the script but it never appears so is this the only time that incorporeal voice shows up
1: at least this specific one
0: so it is literally out of nowhere the wheel of infinity which is not the time travel device as you might suspect
1: no, it's
0: something that somehow, if
1: it's in the right spot, will destroy Castle Grayskull.
0: Then Skeletor explains that his plan is to go back in time before Castle Grayskull was built. And it's just something he can do. He can just do that.
1: One of the minions asks, as they seem to do pretty often, what happens if he shows up to ruin your plot?
0: Skeletor responds. Oh, God, it was perfect. Well, we're going. We don't need roads. No, he says, well, we're going. Even He-Man can't stop us. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's such a good one. One thing that they do correctly in
1: this episode is they resist the urge to say things like, where we're going, don't you mean when we're going?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So we pan over the countryside Adam, Man-at-Arms, Cringer are all picnicking.
0: Just having a boy's picnic.
1: Orko shows
0: up for some magic uh, shenanigans, makes their cake double in size. And then it falls on Man-at-Arms' head as things we want to do when Orko's doing things.
1: Orko is not listening to the moral of the prior episodes.
0: Yeah, someone could lose an eye or a hand or body parts or something.
1: The sorceress flies over, summoning all of them to Castle Grayskull, which sometimes the sorceress does the mind telepathy and her image appears semi-translucent over the screen.
0: And I guess sometimes maybe she was just out for a flight. And they see her and just think, oh, we got to go to Castle Grayskull. She's summoning us. The sorceress displays the window of time. (laughs) Okay, so she can just see any point in time in any place. They're at Castle Grayskull, so it's in that place, whatever it looked like before Castle Grayskull was built. And they're
1: building a fortress right on the spot where Castle Grayskull stands today.
0: She tells them, like, look into the window and see the danger. And it pans over, and there's clearly some, like, slaves building a castle, whatever. And then there's some guard on top of a parapet. And then, like, Skeletor rushes into the frame. Like, he doesn't, like, slowly, like, creep in. He's just like, oh, the camera's on now? And jumps in. Like, I gotta get in this shot. They gotta know it's me.
1: Because otherwise it could be some mysterious
0: villain. And he, he jumps to make sure he's being Everything else is a slow pan, and then here comes Skeletor.
1: And this is where the sorceress explains the Wheel of Infinity concept.
0: Which is just bananas.
1: Skeletor will start it spinning, and it will spin faster and faster, and grow larger and larger, until it's fast enough and big enough to destroy Castle Grayskull.
0: Like, what? So it's just a big spinning wheel, and it doesn't make any sense because if it's big enough to destroy Castle Grayskull, Skeletor's not building Castle Grayskull, he's building a random castle that's already going to be where Castle Grayskull is. Or is that Castle Grayskull being built? It doesn't look like Castle Grayskull. Anyways, if whoever built Castle Grayskull comes there and there's the wheel of infinity spinning, they're not going to build Castle Grayskull there. It doesn't make any sense.
1: She mentions that the fortress that they're building is supposed to protect the Wheel of Infinity while it's gaining momentum, enough momentum to destroy Castle Grayskull, I guess.
0: Okay, that makes sense for that castle, but then again, why would anybody build a castle next to an existing castle that has a Wheel of Infinity spinning in it?
1: So the shortcut to this whole idea could be Skeletor founds kingdom on that spot and sees that is defended through time and then Castle Grayskull is never built anyway. So Prince Adam transforms into He-Man in preparation to go back in time to stop Skeletor. Orko goes back to because the sorceress says that he will be able to translate the old Eternian language somehow.
0: She doesn't even say that. She says, beware, the language will sound strange, but Orko will know what to do about it. That's how she exposits that. And it's put a lot of faith in Orko's abilities, I think.
1: (laughs) It's true. So they do, they go back through the portal. They meet some Eternians who are mumbling in another language. Also, Orko mentions, oh, so that's what ancient Eternians looked like. And it's not really any different than any costume that anyone has worn so far.
0: The fashion has not advanced very far in however long this is.
1: Orko fumbles through a translation spell, it eventually works.
0: He like says it halfway, then say, can't remember it, says it like again, and then figures out the right way, the right combination of words, and then all of a sudden it's translated. is magic.
1: And interestingly, when the spell goes off, it makes a bunch of sparkles, not around He-Man and Man-at-Arms and Orko, but it actually affects the... Eternian person who like flinches after the spell takes effect.
0: That's actually really interesting because that, that implies that he's making them speak Eternian or modern Eternian. So do you think he just created the Eternian language using this spell? That's the type of tiny shenanigan I'm after.
1: That's great. So before everyone was already speaking Eternian, ancient Eternian, without Orko's meddling.
0: And then Orco created the Eternian language, or debabbled them or something, so they all, they all speak modern Eternian, or English. Which is
1: modern Eternian, we'll say. The Eternian woman accuses them of serving Ghostface.
0: I wonder who that could be.
1: Man attempts to convince them that they're friends, and he does it, even though they have the translation magic, he does it by talking in that exaggerated, slow way when someone doesn't speak your language and you are assuming that if you just speak louder and slower that somehow they'll get it. We are friends. We want to help you. You've got to believe me, man says to the attorney and woman who stares at him like he's just a fucking idiot.
0: <laughs> As he is. So the drag swords attack and once again man convinces someone that he's their friend by beating up something else for them. During their fight with the dragosaurs, a man-at-arms gun doesn't fire. And he's like, oh, that's weird. And then Orca does some magic and he's like, wow, my magic feels great. And then not a trust for the rest of the episode. So they save them from the dragosaurs, which are like dragon dinosaurs. They're exactly what they sound. They look like dragons.
1: We get it. We're back in time. They're dragons, but they're dinosaurs. Dragosaurs.
0: To be fair, a dragosaur sounds like something it would be in Modern Eternia, too, but... Two He-Man
1: staples reappear. One, the dragosaur is attacking He-Man and Battle Cat at the edge of a cliff, while Man-at-Arms is rescuing people from the pit that's, like, down on the other side of the cliff. He-Man tricks the dragosaur into charging him and then steps out of the way, once again a creature with wings that can fly tumbles down and then he-man follows it up by grabbing a boulder and throwing it against the cliff to bury the dragosaur in rubble and we also get the ah dragon breath worm face classic
0: very classic so so we get some a little bit of exposition with the the snake clan and the ape clan So the Ape Clan are working with Skeletor, or they used to be friends, but now the Ape Clan is following Ghostface by whoever that is, and the Snake Clan is not happy about it.
1: But the Snake Clan is now willing to help He-Man and friends try to retake the castle. Skeletor, though, is watching this whole conversation on his own crystal ball thing and tells Olo, who is the leader of the ape clan, to go get him. He-Man, by the way, says, ironically, Oh, we're gonna, you know, sneak up on the castle and take out Skeletor. Skeletor responds, talking to Olo, we've got a surprise for you, He-Man, we're going to get you first instead, whatever. And then rather than sneaking up on the castle, He-Man in the next scene rides Battlecat literally up to the gate, and then just calls out
0: Skeletor. Yeah, that's very sneaky. That is the pinnacle of He-Man's subterfuge right there.
1: And then there's no sneaky counterattack from Olo or Skeletor. Skeletor just yells back at He-Man from the walls, instructs the ape clan to attack. They try to launch a catapult. They try to do their own boulder trick with a catapult. Hmm.
0: They've seen the power of the boulder through the vision, I guess. One thing I noticed is that the Snake Clan, they are like smaller, normal-looking Eternians, human-looking people, and they talk with a snaky-sounding voice, and then the Ape Clan are like Cro-Magnon or Neanderthal-looking dudes, and they just make like weird hop hup hup sounds all the time. That's it. That's the only differences between the two of them. <laughs>
1: I didn't notice. That's great. Yeah,
0: like every time the whole battle where they're fighting each other and He-Man's punching the ape people, they're all like, oh, oh, oh.
1: I guess they got to be ape somehow.
0: While they're fighting, He-Man makes fun of one of the ape clan's club says that it will make a fine toothpick.
1: Which is a weird follow-up to a comment he made earlier when he's yelling at Skeletor that he's going to turn Skeletor's castle into toothpicks.
0: But it's made of stone. In the heat of battle, Skeletor kidnaps the snake clan leader lady, offers him a whatever that choice is. Let die the woman you love or suffer the little children. No, it's a save the woman from Dragasar Isle or save Castle Grey Skull, And then he just teleports out of there with the lady. We learn that
1: her name is Zalora. I guess He-Man and friends made some small talk on their way to besiege the ape clan's fortress, because that's the first time that we hear her name. She does show surprising initiative. While He-Man and folks are attacking all the ape people, she's like sneaking into the castle, fighting off the few that try to stop her, and yeah, intends to take up Skeletor by herself, which is pretty sweet.
0: It's a much better plan than like punching ape people.
1: Skeletor's parting line also does not make any sense because the choices between saving Zalura or saving Castle Grayskull except there's nothing to stop He-Man from following Skeletor to save Zalura it would make sense if Skeletor had already started the Wheel of Infinity spinning at the castle and He-Man would have to leave but Skeletor still holding on to that thing and so He-Man can still accomplish both goals by following him to Dragasaur Isle
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: We cut over to Man-at-Arms pulling a raft that
0: he and He-Man and Battle Cat are all riding on over to Dragasaur Isle. So Triclops is over on the island and he like uses one of his eyes as a telescope and sees them over there. Do you think that's different than his Gamma Vision? Which can
1: see around solid objects?
0: Yeah, is this like his like Epsilon Vision or something?
1: Epsilon Vision, which can see great distances when assisted by a magnification device that allows you to see great distances.
0: Yeah, when used in conjunction with telescopic lenses, my Epsilon Vision will let me see. He goes and warns Skeletor that they're on their way. Skeletor is nonplussed. It's as usual, they ask him, but what if they come here? And Skeletor is, the terrors of the jungle will stop them.
1: It's a great line.
0: And as we will find out, they do not.
1: The Terrace of the Jungle consists of a giant, like, five-mouthed plant that grabs onto Orko with long tentacles. He-Man cuts them free. More tentacles wrap up He-Man and Battle Cat and Friends. He-Man is chopping them off, kind of like the Lord of the Rings before they enter Moria. And then the plant explodes.
0: It just explodes for no reason. It had some tentacles chopped off, and then it's just, yep, I'm done, and blows up like explosion. But that's not the last of their worries. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's not. Then there's a beetle. He-Man punches it or something. Like, it wasn't even, like, hard. It just shows up, and then it's just done.
1: It burrows out of the ground. The battle music resumes. He-Man grabs it. It looks like a red lobster with a bunch of little legs, or like one of those roly-poly bugs kill bugs he-man grabs it and throws it onto its back and then it waves its little feet frantically and they walk off
0: and then the last terror of the swamp is orko's terrible parting line i guess that'll teach skeletor not to bug us jesus you know that bug was not in the script until they came up with that line and they're like all right well we got to use it somewhere that or they had Skeletor say the terrors of the jungle and they needed to come up with more than one to make it plural. And so they're just like, I don't know, I'm throwing a beetle. Yeah, yeah, I got this great line. Sure. Mm-hmm. They stand at the
1: foot of a huge waterfall. Skeletor tries to zap them, but He-Man deflects it with his sword. He-Man and friends scatter. And then Bang man comes in on his dragosaur. Which he calls my beauties several times. Man-at-arms takes them out with a bolo. They get a lot of mileage out of that weapon in He-Man and the Masters of the Universe.
0: They really do.
1: He-Man throws a large root at another one and then confronts Skeletor.
0: So, like, how does that beat... The Dragosaur just catches that log in its mouth. And then it really annoys Bang Man. And then the Dragosaur is just, like, flying still. And then he's defeated. He's just done.
1: They do that thing, if you've seen these videos of a dog gets a big stick in its mouth and then can't go through the doorway or through the gate because the stick extends to either side and like hits two posts. And then the dog is like trying to walk forward, but the stick is stuck. The dragosaur has this tree in its mouth and then swoops low between two trees Standing up and the edges of the one in its mouth catch against the trees on the ground. And then Fangman flies off because his momentum is preserved into, I don't know, some mud or whatever. This all allows He-Man to confront Skeletor, who casts a spell on Zalara, who is keeping in a cage nearby that will
0: trap her between time and space. That makes sense. Because that's what this episode is about. about. Time and space. And is that the uh, the zone or wherever, the timeless dimension that the Diamond Ray of Disappearance disappears, thanks to How many
1: of these extra-dimensional prisons could be floating around Eternia, really? Does each
0: artifact create its own? So, Zolorus, trapped in a zapped-up, glowing cage, is going to eventually trap her in a dimension between time and space but as it turns out muscles are stronger than zaps and he-man just grabs the cage and rips it apart
1: yeah the cage explodes it does preserve the hierarchy of powers as you mentioned yeah
0: muscles zaps and then way down the list Orko. farther down the list ram man and then the sorceress deus ex machina's them back to the castle she just like teleports them back over there
1: skeletor has escaped The sorceress appears in the sky telepathically and mentions that the window of time is going to draw them home soon, so they have to hurry.
0: That's how time travel works here. They get back to the castle, and then they go to fight off the ape clan. It's
1: either Fangman or Triclops who yells, Not again, when He-Man and friends show up.
0: What did they expect? And now Duncan, a man-in-arms, his blasters work again. And he says, I, I thought they might work again. So he figured that they would be fine now. But why? I, yeah. Like, why wasn't it working before? Why is it working now? There is no explanation.
1: No. And I went on to that trivia wiki, hoping that there was some section in there that was like, originally, the time corridor was planned as a one and a half hour TV movie and the whole thing is very jumpy because they had to make cuts to turn it into a 20-minute TV episode or something like that. No, no mention of that, just bad planning on the writer's parts.
0: There's a couple of reasons I could think of in a narrative way that would make sense for it that they they don't explain. Like, they don't explain. This is all me inferring stuff. Either, like, in that time period, technology just doesn't work for reasons and magic is more powerful because it's like more in the distant past and they're closer to like the elders of attorney or something or when they went through the time window it messed with man-at-arms technology and souped up orko for some reason like the time window itself did some energy shit to them
1: but then why does man-at-arms technology work better now?
0: It's farther away from when they pass through the window, so it messed it up for a brief period of time. There was some interference with it or something. That's that's theory number two. But also, it just does none of it makes sense. It does
1: not. He Man is once again confronting Skeletor. Skeletor tries to zap He Man, he deflects it with his sword. Again. The laser hits the wheel of infinity and it causes the wheel to start spinning.
0: Which Skeletor is thrilled about. Like it was his plan the whole time. He's like, oh yeah, that's totally what I was planning on doing. He-Man rushes over to stop it, but can't. Yeah, his muscles are not strong enough to stop the wheel of time. So He-Man's brainy solution to this is that he can't slow it down, but he can speed it up. So he just spins it faster and gets it going faster.
1: And Skeletor realizes what this means immediately. He yells out an agonized no, but Battlecat prevents him from
0: rushing over. Just because he's there, he just blocks the way. Yeah. I guess it's important to note that Skeletor, re- when revealing his plan, says that the wheel will explode when it spins fast enough. So, like, after a thousand years of it spitting and spitting faster and faster. It slowly accelerates to the point where it explodes, and it'll explode big enough to explode Castle Skull.
1: Assuming that nothing stops it in those intervening however long.
0: Or speeds it up.
1: Which seems like not that hard to do.
0: So it turns out that his muscles could save the day because he speeds it up so fast and then punches it into the sky where it explodes.
1: Skeletor tries to salvage a little bit of a silver lining, but it's not going to blow up. Castle Grayskull, but it's going to explode, so at least you're going to die. And then Skeletor pops back through a time portal. But yeah, He-Man solves the problem with punching. As one does. And when the Wheel of Infinity explodes in the sky, it's actually a pretty nice fireworks display.
0: Nice little end of episode Whatever, Star Wars, where this all everybody's having a party at the end after the Emperor's dead. They return back to the
1: present. The Sorceress explains that the Snake and Ape clans are friends again. He-Man mentions that they will, through the power of friendship, build the world that becomes present-day Eternia. And then the Sorceress pieces out to go clean up the time corridor that Skeletor used.
0: Which she didn't do before. Like, she knew about it. She knew what was going on, but she just, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go shut that down now. In this episode, Truman, what do you think you learned?
1: So many things about constructing nonsensical plots, but I don't think that's the moral. Okay, look, everybody has a history. We all have our past. We've made mistakes in the past, but it's important not to dwell on them. We use those lessons to become the people that we are today and to grow into better people. That's the moral of this He-Man episode, I think.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Try to learn from the past, to apply the lessons of the past to make yourself a better person. And then he goes on to say, it's today that counts. Let's try to make it the best day possible.
1: (laughs) That's a great He-Man one-liner.
0: Amazing, Truman. You got it.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow. I guess sometimes they are more closely aligned with the actual theme of the episode
0: than other times. Uh, this one definitely lined up very well. All right, right, let's one one and a half He-Man points for me. Yeah, you're batting 7,500 right now, or 750, whatever. Man, I got zero points. I gotta get a win next week. You have, I
1: don't know how many you want uh, to take for it, but you were pretty close to the king's name, Roland versus Reginald. I think that's worth some He-Man points.
0: All right, I'll get some He-Man points. How many He-Man points do you think? Because it's one point to get the lesson of the day. I don't
1: know. The name thing is pretty big.
0: I mean, I didn't get it 100% correct, so maybe i give myself like a 75% of it.
1: All right, 0.75. He-Man, got to be a better currency for us. Attorney and Silvers.
0: Attorney and Silvers. So what grand thoughts do you have about this?
1: Last episode, we explored the idea that The breakthroughs in technology that Man-at-Arms is producing for the king are not really helping the populace of Eternia. And in fact, their lives, the villagers' lives, are not great and could be better. Orko has the power to end world hunger.
0: He made a giant cake out of nothing, and he uses that to prank Man-at-Arms
1: while the villagers of Eternia are breaking their backs, plowing fields to eat Eternian turnips.
0: And it seems like they're, like, we saw a window into the past today, like their lives haven't really improved in a couple thousand years.
1: (laughs) It seems remarkably similar. I don't know that it's fair to put Skeletor and friends on the same level as He-Man in terms of badness. Skeletor is clearly more self-motivated explicitly, but King Roland and Queen and Man-at-Arms and all those people do not seem to have the best interest of the
0: people of attorney at heart. Well, they're just like incredibly indifferent to their struggles. It just doesn't phase them at all. You know, the, the sense on fire, I guess they'll go put it out. People starving, eh they have to go work in the fields all day long to make their food while we can just magic up a giant cake.
1: So maybe we'll see some more villager re- revolution
0: in coming Heatman man episodes. So you want to know what happened to Fangman? man? I do. So he never shows up again. And I got this from the wiki. So Fangman was left in the past by Skeletor. Yikes. It's, it is officially in his classics bio where it states he's still on Dragasar isle awaiting Skeletor's return.
1: That's, heartbreaking.
0: It really is. I was
1: going to have a whole discussion with you about what happens now that Fangman is introduced because Fangman's powers seem remarkably similar to Beastman and so are they going to get along? What's it going to
0: be like when they're hanging (laughs) out together? It's going to be awkward because Beastman's thing is more like furry animals and Fangman's is more like lizards and stuff. Although no that's not even true because Beastman can control dragons so like they definitely would have an overlap. Yeah. However, moot point. Yep. Done. Never showing up again. He's stuck in the past. And I thought it was really interesting. We can infer a lot about Eternia based on the fact that we were in the past. In a time before Castle Grayskull, which I thought was eternal, right? I thought it was older. Yeah. So like Castle Grayskull was built probably pretty soon after the events of this episode, right? I would assume maybe because the snake clan and the ape clan got together and decided to build a skull motif castle to honor their defeat of ghost face that makes sense actually i was thinking about how long ago it was because it's long ago enough that the language is incomprehensible to them and you have to go back like at least eight or nine hundred years to where you wouldn't be able to understand english so like old english is pretty incomprehensible to our ears middle english is kind of hard to get but old english is just you can see some words in there but it's like pretty much just gibberish mm-hmm. so it's, i'm thinking it's like at least a thousand years ago okay and it's like bronze age technology and so maybe it's longer than that because they've had a lot of not like a ton of technological advance like their weaponry hasn't really changed too much but What they make it out of probably has.
1: Yeah, and modern-day Eternia has the pinnacle of all achievement, the attack track.
0: (laughs) Yes, the apex of technology. So a thousand years or more. And so it's before Eternia, before Castle Grayskull, probably before Snake Mountain. I think what that kind of implies is that all of it, Castle Grayskull, Eternia, Snake Mountain kind of rose around the same time. Okay, yeah. I would think. Not necessarily, but I think it's implied that because, all right, the Snake Clan, there's a Snake Mountain, like they probably built Snake Mountain. Now Skeletor lives there. Did they eventually give rise to Skeletor or did he take over the Snake Clan?
1: We know nothing about Skeletor's origin at this point, but it is safe based on the rules of He-Man and Masters of the Universe, which is. Obvious or absurd, it's probably true. The mm-hmm. Snake Clan, yeah, founded Snake Mountain. I can believe yeah. that.
0: Which would mean the Ape Clan probably built Eternia.
1: Whatever the palace is that King Roland and Queen Marlena live in.
0: And then together they built Castle Grayskull.
1: Or Castle Grayskull arose as a separate power. What mm-hmm. did the sorceress say about in Tila's parentage episode? When the sorceress revealed that she's Tila's mom, Tila's gonna inherit the power of Castle Grey Skull. Yeah. Did they say anything about where that came from or where the sorceress got the power from?
0: Not really, but it's implied it's like a bloodline kind of thing. If it's Tila's gonna inherit it, so she'd have to be descended from the original Castle Grey Skull people. Yeah, I think it's important to point out that we haven't read the wikipedia of any Oh, i haven't i was like i looked at it a little bit i was doing some like clicking on the wikipedia there's answers to all this i'm sure of it but i don't want to find out what the actual answer is until after i'm done trying to figure it out without looking ahead yeah i agree so this is a our, our no spoiler run of he-man and the masters of the universe our archaeological
1: expedition into the lands of eternia
0: yes I wish they had explored more of like why Orko's magic was powerful and Man-at-Arms' technology wasn't working.
1: I assumed it was one of those, the magic is leaving the world as technology rises kind of ideas present in Lord of the Rings and,
0: I don't know, a bunch of other fiction. That seemed to me to be like, that was like my first read of it. It's like, oh, they're in the past, it's more magical which doesn't really make sense that his tech wouldn't work, but tracks.
1: Yeah, then you bring in, like, the... Why didn't people... Why didn't the wizards in Harry Potter just use guns to kill Voldemort? It's because magic and technology are incompatible for reasons. But then man-at-arms guns do work later, which I don't understand at all.
0: It's because he believed in them. He thought they might, and so they worked. It's like that one... Is there a book you were talking about a couple weeks ago where the the power or whatever comes from people believing in it or the faith in that is what gives them power?
1: Yeah, then It's the NBC classic miniseries Merlin, which you still uh, need to watch.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Or if we end up breaking the attorney review into seasons at some arbitrary point, we can do an interseason special
0: on Merlin. Sounds good. That sounds like a plan. We'll need a break from the insanity every once in a while.
1: Uh, I don't think I have anything left on this episode. What about you? I don't
0: think so. Other than the ever-present self-sabotage of Skeletor, where he like goes to tell He-Man he has to save the damsel or save the castle. But in order to save the castle, He-Man has to go where Skeletor is, which is also where the damsel is. Yeah, and further,
1: if Skeletor can travel back to any point in time... There's so many less complicated ways
0: than setting up a slow burn thousand year turn of a wheel that eventually will explode in a castle that may or may not get built now.
1: It's a really interesting idea if the sorceress didn't have the power to just know what was going on everywhere at all times. Which, by the way, Skeletor shares because he is always peeking in on people with his whatever skeleton
0: viewer. He's always peeping with his Skelevision. So is the this Sorceress. Yeah, she knew exactly what was up, like, right away. Like, there was no escaping it. And there's a time paradox there. I guess it follows sort of the back-to-the-future rules of where the future isn't, or your current, when you go into the past, you haven't set the oh god now i'm confused by time travel it's gonna happen back to the future rules that dictate that like you can't when you go into the past and you try to change your future your present whatever that doesn't set until after like a certain period of time right like it's it's going off track and he's got the picture that's like slowly disappearing himself and then when he finally gets his parents to kiss like the picture he comes back and he's fine so it takes time for time to set and back to the future. So, this is like following that rule set in the sense that Sorceress knew she, that he was back there, but the future, their present, hadn't changed yet. So, she didn't, or she knew he was going, or it's an alternate dimension. Infinity War rules. But their rules are that like if you set up a new timeline, it creates a separate dimension. Yeah.
1: The time corridor did not care
0: about any of those things. No, not at all. That's all I got.
1: All right. Okay, see you all next time on the Attorney Review. Yay!